0: Hi everyone, welcome along. I am here at the National Sports Centre where the Share the Knowledge, Hope True Football Rod Woodson Coaching Clinic is taking place. The Hall of Fame legend is here with a group of coaches. Uh, Players are going through drills right now. To my right you can see the O-line guys going at it with the D-line guys. And over here we got Coach Woodson talking to the DB guys. They're going up against the wide receivers. Great buzz about the place today. You can see Tig Leader is over there as well. He's going to be going through some kicking drills. Um, great atmosphere. It's been a great few weeks for football on this island. Fantastic Shamrock Bowl. Obviously the college game last week, and now this coaching clinic uh, today. Looking forward to getting uh, talking to some of the participants later on, and uh, we'll keep you informed as to the happenings here. Hi everyone, welcome into a very special episode of the Irish NFL show. I have the great honor and uh, distinction of talking to a man who is not only a Super Bowl champion, He was Defensive uh, Player of the Year, uh, six-time first-team All-Pro, 11-time Pro Pro Bowler, uh, a gold jacket as a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the most entertaining and engaging guest we have ever had on the Irish (laughs) NFL show. I'm (laughs) delighted to welcome Rod Woodson back.
1: How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, you need to tell that last part to my wife. (laughs) I was the most engaging... inspiring person on the show. My wife would be like, no he wasn't, no he's not.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think you were, and I think you inspired a whole host of people this weekend. You're here for Share the Knowledge, Hope True Football Coaching Clinic. Can you talk to me, about a little bit about how that came about? And, you know, we, we had you on, on the show, and I know you at that point you were wor- working with Coach Tariq, mm-hmm. but, like, how did it come about that you ended up in Dublin this weekend?
1: Well, I mean, obviously the relationship with Coach Tariq and, and he, I mean, he's been in football for so long over here, over in the UK, and having relationships kind of almost all over the place. And then, you know, I just told him my goals is to go international and to keep coming back every year because we want to grow American football. Uh, the best way to grow American football is at the grassroots level. Uh, I believe as kids play it when they're younger, they follow it when they get older. That's what we all, every country the same. Every human being is the same way. Um, but coming over and bringing our knowledge of the game, because we've played it for so long, we've kind of been inundated and uh, went to the university, so to speak, to, to get our degree in pro football, to bring that to the kids here at a young age so they can see it when they're 10-ish, 11-ish like our kids do, and they'll see it again the following year and the following year and following year. I mean, that's our end goal. But Coach Turek, you know, you know talking to uh, Mr. McGuire, who kind of oversees a lot of things over here, um, you know, we were talking about, can they get it done? I'm like, yeah, I, I think I can get a, uh, a couple sponsors. Um, you know, we got the Steelers and we got DirecTV to give us money to be able to come over here and all this stuff, they tap tapping for the players here, which is outstanding. Um, and at the end result, it's all about relationships and Coach Turek, he says this little speech all the time, but everything is in your life is about relationships. Everything that you do Somewhere along the line, ends up in a relationship in some capacity, and his relationships that he had with all the people over here in Europe, um, you know, that's what got us here first. We set the date, uh, and then we kept saying, "Yeah, we. I think we can get this date. I think we can get this date," and we finally made it happen
0: well the the buzz and excitement uh, around today was, was fantastic and i suppose kind of interested in in terms of you were talking about like growing the game internationally and actually this week on the show we had henry hodgson who is now the gm of nfl uk NFL have brought in Brett Gosper. They've mm. kind of really committed to the international player uh, program. There's NFL Africa now. They're kind of looking to do more combines around the world. Um, I suppose I'm interested in terms of you saw the youth yesterday. You saw the senior guys today. Are we getting to a point where guys from this little island here might be with a little more polish might be able to someday play in the NFL or join you in the XFL in,
1: in Vegas? Yeah, I think it is. I, I think you know, we, the, what they have to learn how our guys are trained so they can kind of get aboard to where and at least match what our guys do in the off season is that they get bigger, faster, stronger in the off season so they can play better during the season. Um, and I think that's what separates the kind of what we do in the U.S. And, and who've been playing American football since they've been kids to probably the international market. But I think there's so much talent everywhere though. It's, I mean, you see it and you see these players. And I, I've met a young player yesterday in the youth camp, and a couple of the, the older players here today, they're just really, really good athletes. They really are. And they're, but they're not polished yet. And I think if you, but that's my thing, you got to get them at the grassroots level. And even though they have academies in the UK and in Africa, they got to make sure that they keep coming back and teaching the coaches because the coaches teach the kids. So as long as we're coming back and teaching the coaches to get their football IQ up so the players can keep getting better and better and better and at the end of the day, it's gonna be if the players can keep getting bigger, faster, stronger outside of football. And that's gonna be the key. I think that'll be, that'll, if they do that, and I think that separation that the American kids have will start closing and closing and closing we'll start seeing more international players
0: well that's certainly the the hope and if we switch now maybe a little bit to the NFL obviously new season just about to start Interested in your thoughts on the Steelers? It's been a, bi- a big off season. Yeah. Um, Kevin Colbert, the the first GM in the, that franchise's storied history, uh, has moved on. Uh, big Ben obviously has moved on. So the Steelers are facing into you know uh, a season with a new starting QB for mm-hmm. first time in almost two decades. Um, a lot of talent certainly in the the receiving core, um, and you got TJ there. What are your expectations for what the Steelers can do? Can they keep Marvelous Mike's uh, five hundred record going?
1: I think that you know it's 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 really going to depend on the quarterback, um, and I don't know if it's going to be Pickett, you know, um, or or not. Uh, I know the the area of Pittsburgh that they want Pickett because he went to Pitt and all that, um, but I think. Whoever it is, if Pickett's a starter, I believe they're gonna have a longer leash for him because he's young, he's gonna learn. Um, if it's not Pickett, then I think the leash is gonna be a little bit shorter because I think they're ready to win. I mean, they, they, you got Claypool, you got Johnson, um, you got some playmakers on the back, you got Najee at the mm-hmm. running back position. The defense is pretty solid. I think they're gonna be a better run defense than they were last year, last year, they didn't play that well. So overall, I think they can—they're going to play well. And Mike always does a great job of putting a good product on the field. Um, you know, and then and you got to think about who—who's in his division. You know, um, Cincinnati. Yeah, they were 10 and 7 last year, but it, I don't think they're a great 10 and 7. And then Cleveland—you don't know what they're going to be. You don't have no idea what they're going to be without Deshaun Watson first 11 games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see where they're going to go with this
0: yeah and obviously the other team in that division um you know we talked about the last time we were on the show that you were part of the meanest baddest defense well we did say mike Singletary, Mike take right. uh, exception to that but you know that defense you were on with the ravens was legendary you've now got a new role with that team as a color commentator uh, mm-hmm. on game day mm-hmm. the ravens are a team who last year i mean it was catastrophic the injuries that that team suffered i don't know if i'd ever seen like it the entire running back room goes down the cornerback room mm-hmm. Lamar had injuries. How do you think, in terms of what they did in the draft and with the guys coming back, are the Ravens ready to, to bounce back and make a play for that
1: division? They they have all the weapons. They really do. Um, I think the second receiver is still in question, still in flux, even though they did get um, Marcus uh, Robinson. Um, you know, the running game is there. J.K. is going to be coming back. But is, is it going to be this? Everybody's going to ask, is it the same J.K. as it was you know, before he got hurt? I think he'll get. I think he, throughout the season he's going to get healthier, and he'll be a better player. Um, that's why you got Mike Davis. I think the receiving core. I think Rashad Bateman's good. Obviously, their tight ends are. I mean, Mark Andrews is is a great player, but then they got a young kid named uh, Isaiah Likely, who is a pretty good player in his own right. And I think the defense. I think the question for. Me for them is what is their defense going to look like new defense coordinator Mike McDonald not really no, I don't know what he's going to really run um, I and so it's going to be interesting to see how the health comes back with the corners that I all hurt last year um, And then where does the linebacking core go with Patrick Queen? You know does he step up and become that leader that they thought they were You know, they drafted three years ago uh, if, if all that comes into fruition they got a great opportunity, too, because they're looking at it just like the Steelers, right? I mean, every team in that division is looking at every other team saying they got a lot of weaknesses. How can we take advantage of those weaknesses? So I think it's going to be like it, as it always is in the, uh, in the North is that it's going to be close fault games. Um, it's going to come down the last couple of weeks to, to see who the division winner is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it, I think what's going to be interesting, obviously, in terms of you got Mike Tomlin and you got John Harbaugh, um, two super experienced coaches, They're, you know their teams, no matter you know, what they, the struggles might be, you know they'll show up, you know they'll play tough. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what will happen in, right. in the AFC North. But I want to take you back, maybe finally, right? You are on the Mount Rushmore of secondary players. I mean, there, there is Rod Woodson uh, ammo- uh. amongst the absolute legends. And you were here this uh, this weekend to coach. Um, I think, uh, was it I, I heard Aidan say there was a, around about like, you know, 50 guys here today. Mm-hmm. There was a, the the youths yesterday, but there will have been people around the country who, who couldn't come today. Uh, a lot of people watching, you know, um, who uh, would love to have the opportunity and know hopefully you're coming back next year and, and it'll only grow but for them who didn't get to come but are aspiring maybe DB players, is there any advice that you could offer them uh, in terms of ways to
1: to improve? To get better? (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's, first of all, I already told um, Aiden that I'm gonna keep coming back. You gotta tell me no, and then I won't come back. But if he he leaves the door open, I'm coming back. Um, Because I think that's what's needed. You can't go one year and leave and think everybody's gonna get better. You gotta keep coming back and keep showing that you care. Um, I think a lot of the young players here get bigger, faster, stronger in the off season doing speed work and more explosion work. I think that's that helped them tremendously. Um, but there's always hope. I mean, that's what I always believe in. I always believe if you believe in who you are, you believe in the person that you see in the mirror, but then you, everything that you do in your life to have the goal to play American football at an, at the next level, and you do it 100 of the 100 through and through, you become better. And I think if you can do that week in and week out, um, you become a better player. Is it hard to do that? Yeah, because you're tired. You know, but those those days that you're tired and you're achy and you don't want to get up, those are the days you got to get up to prove to yourself that you can do it.
0: Ron Woodson, as always, want to thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, It was great to have the opportunity to have you on the show. Can't wait to see, as I said, what happens in the North. And want to wish you the best, obviously, for the XFL next year.
1: I appreciate you. Thank you.
0: Hi everyone, we are back here at the Share the Knowledge Hope Through Football Coaching Clinic. Delighted to be joined by Coach Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Well, we appreciate you. You're the man who helped us get Rod Woodson the last time and now he's
2: actually here, 3D version. How have the past couple of days been? Oh, for me, it's been surreal. You know, Coach Woodson was uh, uh, an idol. I was a fan to meet him, to you know, hug and. Uh, it's been great it's been great it's been uh, a dream so yeah talk to
0: me about share the knowledge I mean we we talked a little bit earlier about like the the, it's about building foundations and and teaching
2: Right. the essence of it is that while I was coaching and I still am coaching I found that how, how do I get knowledge how do I work that how do I help myself and and I realized that when I looked around, there were not that many resources. There's more resources now, but you still need a mentor. You need somebody to push you forward, to work with you. So the essence of share the knowledge was, hey, now you may not be coaching full time or doing the things you need. How can you help? How can you, and people use that, give it back. And, and it is a form of that, but it's really to help coaches get better, who will help players get better, who will help the sport get better and grow the game and that's what it's about. So for us it's about how do we share what we've got because it's not ours to take with us.
0: And I I love that, that's fantastic uh, insight I suppose into uh, your worldview which is great. Where what's next? So we, we've had this obviously here in Dublin, but obviously you're just really interested in hearing about the, the plans for sharing the Knowledge and what's next for
2: you, coach? Well, for, for me really is to solidify what we've done over the last two years. And you guys know yourself, when you embark on a, a project that's really popular, you can be drawn off in all different tangents. So for us, it's to streamline, solidify, what can we deliver on, where do we want to go? In our vision, what can we fit in? Uh, We know that we've done Camp 1 here, we're now looking at when's Camp 2, what do we need to make that happen, Uh, what are we going to do between now and then in terms of the Zoom meetings and uh, that we do online etc. So it's really a, a review of the last two years, now that this has happened we know, we set our expectations high, we can meet them. So let's see where we go.
0: Well, I think people will be able to hear the the buzz and the excitement that's going on in the background. That is in large part thanks to you. And I just want to thank you uh, as well for taking the time to chat to me and for helping us to organize, to talk to the people that we get to talk to and for building the game.
2: Well, I appreciate what you guys do and the way you go about stuff. So it's no problem. And the other thing is, which I have to make clear, it's not me by myself. There's a team of us that work together and we believe in the same things. And Coach Woodson, you know, he uh, he is a remarkable human being. He's taken us to his heart and, and we, we to ours, you know, and that's how it goes. So thank you very much. Yes, I'm the figurehead, but at the end of the day, it's a team effort. Thanks, Includes you guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot, brother.
0: Welcome back uh, to the Hope True Football, Rod Woodson Coaching Clinic here. I am delighted to be joined by Aidan Maguire from American Football Ireland.
3: Aidan, how are you doing? Listen, I am over the moon, delighted. The weather's great, so listen, what could be giving out of it?
0: Phenomenal buzz mm. here today, but yeah. it's been a great kind of few weeks for football mm. on the island. Uh, have you enjoyed the Shamrock Bowl with the mm. college
3: game and now this? Oh, listen, come here. It's been, a, it's been a fantastic month. The last six weeks have been unbelievable for... Uh, for our growth as a, as a sport and NGB and just the events that we've been a part of. It's, it's been fantastic. You mentioned the Shamrock Bowl, we had it up in Kingspan Stadium, first time in Belfast or outside of Dublin in 13 years. And what a venue. Listen, yeah. you lads were there. It's a world-class, world-renowned venue, and uh, it's looking good. They've been in touch a bit next year, so it's 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 massive and fantastic doors have been open, and it's a great venue. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was Hoping a
0: great, great game as well, yeah. Great great college game. Mm. But talk to me, I suppose, about how today kind of came yeah. about, because and, and the, the, the buzz and mm-hmm. the fact that you see the drills yeah.
3: the guys are going through. Listen, this all started, um, I'd say, November 2020. I was on my way to work. I was driving through, driving through Colour, Colourville and said, I'm on my way to Castle Blaney, but uh, I got a phone call from Ciarán O'Sullivan, the head coach of the World Finance, and he basically put me in touch with Coach Ayub that man there, if you can see him there walking that way. But uh, Coach Ayoub is, um he has founded uh, Share The Knowledge, um, platform for coaches worldwide to, to help youths and, and coaches grow so I got in touch with him he works with coach Rod Woodson there's a friendship instantly um, blossomed between myself and himself and um, we started a partnership with them then in February 21 it was and we've had a number of online classes online zoom calls which our coaches and players have attended but then in June of this year, it was a thought. June of this year, it was a thought of the possibility of something like this, and what happened yesterday happening in Ireland, the first time it's been held outside the U.S. with Rod Woodson's Hope Through Football So Foundation. So, what happened? We we broached the idea of it coming on board. The train got on the track, and the train started moving, and. Coaches, coaches have parachuted in, jumped onto the moving train. The players, the coaches from the Irish background have jumped on, the, on this moving train, and it's there's no end in sight. There's no end in sight of this. It's it's, it's good. It's fantastic. We're hearing the the best of Irish weather with we lashing rain yesterday. With we had 50 young lads and, and ladies down and training with the coaches, and the smiles on their faces was was brilliant to see. They learned and they soaked up all the information that they were being given. Similarly today, like these are senior players that play for the for the clubs in Ireland and again they're soaking up all the information that the coaches have and that is to me that is phenomenal to see what what has happened and this, this, this is the start of something. This is not the end, it's the start of something happening for for the future and I think hopefully next year is, it's going to be back again.
0: Uh, fantastic and I suppose, look, we're coming up to the start of the NFL season. Mm-hmm. They're coming off the back of the weeks that we just talked about, yes, yeah. going to be a lot of interest. If there are people watching this and they want to get involved in the local game, yeah. what's the best way for them to go about doing that?
3: The best way is, if they go onto our website, americanfootball.ie, you'll see a little section under the, it's find your local club. Go in there, we're currently, our tackle season is currently finished, but they'll be starting back up straight in October, November, but we currently have a flag football season, youth football season about to start up, that's the best way. And with the flag football season having already started, you can get on board with your local club, come on board, get get playing, find it if you like it from a non-contact setting and then, then go from there. I've seen a lot of players, gentlemen my size, come through. And uh, continued on into this kidded of team, so it's it's great. It's a great way to get in, involved in the sport. So that's what you do, Americanfootball.ie. Find your club, and if ever there's any other issues that you can't get it, just email me Aiden at Americanfootball.ie, and I'll be get back to you straight away.
0: Aidan, always, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Excited about yeah. the, the growth. Thank you for taking the time no, to chat to, to me. It. Yeah.
3: It's always great to speak to you, Colin. Listen, thanks very much.
0: We are back at the Hope True Football Rod Woodson Coaching Clinic at the National Sports Arena. I am delighted to be joined by Tyg Leader. Tyg, how are you doing?
4: Yeah, all as well.
0: Uh, Tyg, really good kicking competition last week at halftime in the college game, really enjoyed it. How did that come about?
4: Um, yeah, it was I, I sent a cold email to uh, Brendan involved with the game maybe four weeks out. Um, at the time, I was in Toronto because I'd into the CFL stuff, I was kind of waiting to sign with the new team and uh, just saw the event was happening. I always knew I wanted to try and help Irish lads get involved in kicking and punting because um, I think we have a knack for it. Um, so I just saw with the game going on, shot Brendan an email, told him my idea, um, bit vague, figured out as you go, but thankfully Brendan got back, saw value in, in it and getting Irish lads involved in the event itself. So uh, yeah, it kind of steam, steamrolled from there and we figured it out and the the, the actual the whole thing was a major success. and finish up but you know um, lads getting to kick in front of 40-50,000 people in the Aviva so that was me- memories for life for them yeah. and myself actually. Absolutely
0: and from from small acorns, giant, uh, giant <laughs> oak, screw so yeah le- like leader kicking this is it's not a one-off for the half-time in the college game right? Yeah
4: so, so that was just I guess an uh, opportunity to kind of get a bit of exposure but no l- long-term I guess to me I've been involved in the sport now a year and a half or so and Instantly, instantly when I got involved is like we we being Irish we can do like we can contribute as kickers and punters pretty quickly. Um, I knew that but I never obviously I was focused on my own career and doing that um, so I've always had the idea since since day one of being involved that I want to try and do something for lads back here in Ireland as kickers and punters so now I'm, I'm going to be in the, the next few weeks more formally announce that get it rolled out and uh, hopefully just try and create create a pathway because the big thing for me was I know if this existed for me you know when I was a 16, 17, 18 year old uh, to be coach as a kicker and punter, to then get to a level where I can get a full scholarship to go to the U.S. to get educated but also you know play big time college football I would have bit your hand off for that like I I would have bit your hand off for that so I'm hoping now that I can try and help lads younger lads provide that opportunity for them already there's interest and I know the talent is there so yeah that's kind of the the longer term plan to try and help out in that way.
0: Yeah, well, when you see like the the level of interest that we have here today, when we've seen over the past few weeks, great Shamrock Bowl, great college game, and now what you're hoping to do to give back and to really develop the game here, it's very exciting. Look forward to seeing what's next in uh, Tige Leader's journey.
4: Yeah, you know, I'm excited for it as well, and it's just nice. I've been, you know, and my football experience has been in America and Canada, so it's nice to actually be back here on the ground in Ireland and meeting meeting the Irish people because so many good people involved with the association and just doing stuff from grassroots up, up to the i was with the national team yesterday and got to do a bit of training with those lads and help out so it's class the enthusiasm is there for the sport and yeah i'm hoping now that i think as kickers and punters is the quickest way to see us make real inroads in the game and yeah if i can help out there i look forward to it
0: okay always appreciate your time sound thank you Our next guest on the Irish NFL show this week, a man who has coached at college level, at NFL level, been involved in officiating in the NFL,
5: Chuck Bresnahan. How are you doing, sir? Uh, Yeah, I'm doing great. This has been an incredible trip, and we're just so blessed and honored to be here.
0: Well, we're delighted to, to welcome you. We was talking to Rod there about the excitement on the field. It was fantastic. And one of the interesting things about you, I suppose, is around your background for the Navy. Obviously, Navy going to be here next year to play Notre Dame. Notre Dame probably need no invitation to an Irish audience. But what, t- talk to us a little bit about Navy football and, and what that means for,
5: for our viewers who might be less familiar with, with that, uh, that team. Well, the one thing that you're going to get with the Naval Academy is it's, it's a little different than a lot of major Division One A teams from the United States because they can't recruit some of the athletes that they do because of the, the entrance standards to get into the Naval Academy. But the one thing that you're always going to get is you're going to get a team that will fight you till the end. And what they've done a great job of, when I played there, I played for George Welsh and then a guy named Gary Tranquil. And we went to three bowl games in four years. So we were having a very successful time when, when I was there. and It was great. Uh, what Kenny has done now, the head coach, has come in and, and developed an offensive system that gives bigger and better talented teams problems because they don't see it all the time. So you're going to get a dogfight. But it's always like the little kid that's got his chip on his shoulder because he, he's not considered one of the big guys. He doesn't get picked first, in the, but they're going to fight you till the end. So it's going to be a heck of a game. And the one thing that's great is Notre Dame, you know, you're coming to Ireland, you're the Fighting Irish, you're going to have fan support. But the Naval Academy has guys stationed all over the world. So we always brought great fanship to wherever we played, whether it was overseas, in a bowl game, didn't matter. So I think they'll be well represented as well.
0: Yeah, definitely looking forward to to that. Now, you have coached uh, both the Raiders and the Bengals, and I want to talk maybe a little bit about the the Bengals, particularly that 05 season, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're D.C., and the Bengals won the North. You, first time in the playoffs in 17 years, uh, you know, obviously last year, great success. Talk to us a little bit, of, I suppose, about like what, you know, what, what was it about that team that
5: allowed you to, to win the North for the first time in, in 17 years? Well, you, you know, that, that organization had been through some really hard times. And Marvin came in. Marvin Lewis was the head coach. And Marvin just really stood by his guns. And he had a philosophy, and he believed in the philosophy, and he got us all to buy into it. And and the one thing he did is he trusted his coaches to do their job. He wasn't a micromanager. He really let us do what we were hired to do. And it was the same thing. You know, once that happens, it's kind of the trickle down effect. I wasn't a micromanager as the defensive coordinator and Bob Bratkowski wasn't a micromanager as the offensive coordinator. It just kind of started to flow. And then we brought in good players and the more you, The more talent you have, great players make great coaches. It's not always the other way that a great coach develops a great player. It works kind of in tandem. So we hit it at the right place at the right time. Unfortunately, we lost our starting quarterback, Carson Palmer, in that first playoff game. But like you said, I love a guy that knows football in the background. First time in 17 years that not only did we win the division, they had a winning season. And so that was incredible, the feeling with especially some of the players and the coaches that have been part of the Bengals organization for so long. We had coaches that have been there 17 and 20 years that had never really won anything. So all of a sudden they're getting to experience this and it was just outstanding. So it was a special time and the city of Cincinnati deserved it. It's an incredible place to live, great fan base. And it's a great organization. You know, what Mike Brown and his family have done following up his dad, Paul, has been unbelievable. And I think the the city of Cincinnati deserved everything they got last year with the Super Bowl run.
0: Yeah, great fan base on on this side of the Atlantic as well. Now, one of the really interesting things I think is about the move into officiating. And um, Dean Blandino, a good friend of uh, the Irish NFL show has been on with us a number of times. He hired you because he wanted a coaching viewpoint. Can you talk to me, I suppose, a little bit about that, Chuck? Like, how did, like, how did it come about, and, and what was that like to be in, in the, the restroom?
5: Well, it was, it was something that was kind of a mutual thing. And in 20, I think it was twenty end of 2015, I reached out to Dean and said, you know, I got an idea. Are you willing to sit down? And it just ended up developing. We talked over the phone at first. But having grown up the son of a coach, And then my first coaching job in the NFL was under Bill Belichick when he was the head coach of the old Cleveland Browns. But Bill was such a perfectionist with his coaches knowing everything about the game, the rules of the game. If you didn't know something, you had a project that you had to do and then you had to present it to the staff. So it was something that I always took great pride in was knowing the rules of the game. <clears throat> what I started to see were if we could teach the rules of the game to the coaches from an officiating standpoint, but also teach the officials what we do as coaches, we could close that gap and we could help cut the overall play time of a game from three hours and 15 minutes to under three hours. That was, that was our goal when we started this. So It wasn't like it was rocket science or anything. I was just brought in, and I was there for three seasons, I think. And the first one was under Dean. The second two were under uh, Al Riveron. But it was just trying to educate the officiating, but then turn around and bring officiating to the coaches. And if you understand mechanics of the officials, it helps you as a coach. I've told every coach I've ever worked with, I wish this had been an experience for everybody early on because when I finished at the NFL office, I told everybody, I am a much better coach now because understanding the rules, you not only coach to the limit of the rules, you understand how to use the rules to your advantage against your opponent. And by leverage, you know, what an official can see. So it was a great learning experience for me, and I'm going to tell you, Dean is the absolute best. I really loved everybody, I loved Al Riveron. Dean was just such an incredible teacher. The patience, the way he is, you guys obviously know on uh, as far as being a person that can come out and very calmly and efficiently and with personality and charisma talk to you, but you kind of get it when you're done talking to him. You know, you understand what he's trying to get across. I thought that was, you know, second to nobody I've ever dealt with. And my hat's off to him.
0: Yeah, and uh, you also mentioned, I suppose, there about being the son of a coach. Yes. Um, and in terms of learning experiences, your your father, Tom, I mean, it wasn't just any coach, he was, he was with the Bills yes. uh, uh, during uh, the levy era. They, we've been fortunate to have Jim Kelly on the Irish NFL show. Um, maybe maybe one second only to Rod in terms of his storytelling yes. uh, abilities. Yep. Um, but what was that like for, for you on the outside looking in at that k on offense and in
5: terms of just learning the intricacies of the, the sport? Well, it, it's incredible because what people don't understand, and, and again, being the son of a coach, you become a student of the game and the respect level of the game. But when you go back and you look, if you and everybody always want that was one of the questions that Rod was asked the other day, you know, compare when you played to today's game. Well, if you take this is an example. When Jim played the game and they went to the K gun, and my dad was the offensive line coach and then the coordinator and line coach, they went at such a tempo, it was insane the number of plays they could get off in a specific number of time. What you don't understand is they didn't have that green dot. A lot of people that are fans don't understand the communication system. Quarterbacks now, And even the Peyton Mannings and Tom Bradys, through their career, they've had that green dot for most of their careers. Jim didn't have that. What he did was at the line of scrimmage, so he had to be in sync with not just my dad, but the quarterback coach Jim Schaffner and the backup Frank Reich. I mean, it was a a well-oiled machine. And to do what he did on the field and have the success that they had, and to go to four consecutive Super Bowls, I don't know if that feat will ever be challenged. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Especially now with everything they do with, with the uh, 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 free agency, mm-hmm. and just being able to keep a team together and do something like it won't be done. But Jim is incredible as far as, I don't know if I, I've met, other than maybe Rod, a more competitive individual than Jim Kelly. And just what he was able to accomplish and do it at such a consistent level and high level for the, his entire career is just, un, it's going to be unmatched. And, and, you know, he and Dan Marino didn't go to the Super Bowls that, that, that Jim did. But Dan's the same type of player. I mean, it, it, they just, they stand in your mind as the the wow factor. They're really, you know, they've got it. So, mm-hmm.
0: And then finally, before I let you go, just really interested in, you know, you've been here for the past couple of days, working with the youths, working with the senior team, working with the, the men's national team how impressed were you with the standard that you saw this weekend
5: you know i told the uh, players in each group you know we came in and it's it's hard to describe but you set the you set the expectations and the standards that we want for the camp at a certain level and it's like a high jumper you know we set it at like 66 six, and all of a sudden these guys came in and cleared 72 you know so they blew the roof off the the house for what we expected and You know the real gratitude that we have is when we come over the energy the passion the hunger that these guys have to be better at everything they do when they leave the excitement the willing to learn the pliability it's incredible so for us i always say this i walk away gaining more than they got because it's just such a pleasure to come over and And the coaches, too. We had an incredible group of coaches. And we had a group come from the U.K. We had all the volunteers out here from all over Ireland. I mean, what an outstanding group. And everybody worked together as a family. And that's the great thing about this sport is that it teaches you how to work together in order to accomplish one specific goal. And our goal was to have the best camp that they've ever been a part of and that we've ever coached. And I think we accomplished both. So yeah.
0: We're I, excited. I think you can definitely say mission Good. accomplished on that one. Chuck, I want to thank you for giving me your time today. Great to have you on the Irish NFL Show.
5: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Enjoyed it. <laughs>
0: our final guest on this very special episode of the Irish NFL Show, a man who played at Kansas, who was with the Bears in the NFL, and who did a little bit of scouting, which we're going to get into in a while. Quinton Smith, welcome to the Irish
6: NFL Show. Hey, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm having a great time here in Ireland. Looking forward to, to uh, coming back the next time as well. And you've had all four seasons of weather, I
0: think, uh, <laughs> this uh, this weekend. But... Can you talk to me, I suppose, about how you got involved? I mean, it's an interesting one. We got hope through football, share the knowledge. How did
6: you get involved? Uh, a few years ago, I, I met Rob Woodson at a camp in, uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame over in Canton. And we've been friends ever since. And uh, two years ago, he started his camp um, over in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is where he's from. And he asked me to come and, and work the camp. And I've worked the camp for those last two years, had a great time. And then um, we mentioned a couple couple of months ago that he was coming over here to do a camp here and asked me if I was interested. And I said, absolutely. You know, I've done camps in Scotland. I've done camps in Vancouver. I've done camps all through the United States. and, And it was an opportunity to come over and see a new version of American football. I've seen version of American football over in... In, in, in Scotland but now I can see it over here in Ireland so and it's always great to share knowledge of, of the game that has done so much for me I've been playing football since I was you know, seven years old so that's you know 45 years for me you know I've been around this game and I've coached kids at, at every level and coached college football as well so it was an opportunity that I didn't want to pass up and when he he called me last week and says hey you're available to do this and I says absolutely I'll be there
0: well, I'm um, delighted that you did, and I think you, you would have seen the excitement, the energy that was on the, the field over the past couple of uh, days. And look, we could get into to your career um, in, in terms of playing both the Kansas and, and with the Bears, but I think what would be really interesting for viewers is the fact that you did scout for the Chiefs. Right. And that is not something that we've been able to chat to somebody about in terms of the Irish NFL show. And, I think it'd be really interesting just to hear about the the process and kind of what goes into it in terms of the it, the NFL scouting.
6: Right, NFL scouting is is a lot of work and it's it's a lot of time and effort and you know, doing the research on players and see where they are, see where they started, and it's a development thing. Where where are they now, and how do they develop to get better? And yes, you're going to have some amazing guys that are just you know, first round picks that are surefire guys that have played in college and done all these different things and those are the top flight guys. But it's not always about that because you build your team with those second, third, and fourth and later round picks and some quality you know, undrafted guys like myself because I wasn't drafted and I ended up making the team. So when you go through that process starting in August or the previous August with the kids are junior, you, you start noticing guys and you as you notice them, you put a little bug in, in the back of your brain or you make notes and says, okay, I need to follow up on this guy, I need to watch this guy and see how he progresses. But then you would start in August, you would go and visit the colleges or universities in your area from August through uh, November. If there was a quality player or a big school, like I covered the, the Midwest or the Big 10 schools, I went back twice to see those kids. Then you have the off season for the, when the season's over the, In the off season, now you start the combine work and you get the all-star games. So now you're meeting with the rest of the scouts and you're comparing who you've seen with who they've seen from across the country. And now you start developing your drafting board. Then you in March, you have those personal workouts where you see all these guys that put up all these amazing numbers and they work out at school. Then you have the college, I mean, the, the NFL coaches that go out and work those guys out so they can see them. And then you put all that information together, you put all your brain trust, 15 to 20 guys in a room, and you develop your your plan of, of attack for the draft. Do I need to move up? Do I need to move down? Because the guy that I want is 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 here or he's not here, um, and you, you go from there. And you obviously you draft for need, what you need on your team. And sometimes there's just guys you just can't pass up. And you know once you you develop, if your team's good enough, if you're in the playoffs already, you need one or two more pieces, you know, to get to that next level. If your team, if you're picking in that top ten, and that's because your record wasn't so good you may need a lot of pieces. So you may be trading back to get more pieces to more draft picks so you can go up and get more pieces in the second or third round and give up that first round pick to someone else. And that first round that you didn't take may have given you four picks later on. And it's always better to have four players than to have one. You know, So it, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, and you have to work for the right people because sometimes you know some people don't let you do your job. They want... A paper pressure or be someone that knows the game and so those are two different type of, of processes that each organization uses where do I just give me the information me let, let the big guys make the decision or what's your information what's your input you've done this so tell me what you think about this guy what do you really see that aim that I may be missing and so it's it becomes when you start watching the draft you see how people start being picked or passed over and my brain tells me that certain things happen for that guy to be passed over because he's too good to fall to the 20th pick when he should have been picked in the top five or the top ten, somewhere in there. So there's something there. Or sometimes you have surprises where guys fall in love with guys. you know, And then guys draft guys for schemes because he plays the scheme that I need, and he's the best guy at it, even though he's probably a, should be the 20th or 25th pick. I'm going to take him at 9 or 10 because when it's time for me to pick at 20, someone else might take him for that. So it's a lot that goes into it. So when you see those clips of the NFL draft rooms, you see 25 guys in there talking, they've met for six weeks. So they should have a, a, a plan of attack. And let's say you're picking 10. You would have the top 10 guys on that board that you would say, if all these guys are gone and I have the last one standing, I'm happy with that pick. So if you're picking 20, you put 20 guys on the board. These are your top 20 picks. Whichever is the highest-rated guy when it's time for you to pick, that's the guy you pick. If you start moving around, you did something wrong. You start <laughs> second-guessing yourself that you've done this work for six months, for six weeks on. All of a sudden, in the last 10 minutes, you said, well, maybe let's go with this guy. But that guy was down there for a reason, and you moved him up here. And then there's some guys down the, below that little red line that you'll see on some draft boards that they won't tell you about. It's a do not draft. It doesn't matter matter what what happens. You can't pick that guy. It may be medical. It may be something off the field. It may be security. It could be anything. But there's a red line that some guys down there that may get picked by another team, your particular team can't touch him or won't touch him.
0: Well, that, it's really interesting to hear that, and I want to thank you for the the insights into that. I wish we had more time. I know you guys got to get on the road, but mm-hmm. we appreciate the insight. I hope we'll see you back in, in, in Ireland again. If they invite me back, I'm on my way. Well, I look forward it. to I think given given the reaction that I saw on the field, I have no doubt that uh, you will get the invitation. But Quentin, I want to thank you for taking the
6: time to join me today. Thank you. I appreciate it so much.